0: So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. Ridiculous History is a production of Iheart Radio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's hear it for our one and only super producer, Mr. Max Williams. They call me Ben. No, no. It's the end of the nub as we know it. Wait, it's the nub of the year as we know it?
1: N- nubbins. What's a nub? Uh, I like a nub. I like the I like the expression whittled down to a nub when referring to someone just like being insufferable yeah. and just like beating you down in your resolve until there's nothing left of you. Uh huh. Um, that's a yeah, it's kind of heavy actually if you think about it. But yeah. also, nubbins. That, that's, that sounds like a cute little like a gummy of some yeah. sort, like a gumdrop maybe. Like a, uh,
0: like a Pixar squirrel that gives you good advice and has a weird thing about acorns from a tree. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I always thought for some reason, some some words just hit us on uh, these levels that are difficult to articulate. Like everybody hates the word moist. I used to ask people what their least favorite word is. And a lot of people don't like the word moist. For me, nub is kind of like a boundary crossing word when it shows up in conversation. Even, even correctly applied, I'm just like, whoa, this is a, There's a nub conversation now? We're at work, dude. Kind of like how, you know, you've seen it before, Noel. I have a hard time not giggling when we're in conversations and someone references dongle. And they're like, okay, get the dongle. We've got to make sure we're ready to record. That's
1: just... That's a me problem, but... uh <laughs> Well, I think that's a societal problem, Ben, because I'm just, I don't know who came up with the word dongle, if they did because they thought it was inherently funny and they were hoping to <laughs> evoke giggles from across the land. Um, for that, we thank you, kind sir or madam, whomever uh, came up with this term, but it is inherently absurd. Nub, by the way, is defined by yes. Webster's Oxford English Dictionary as the crux or central point of a matter. The nub of the problem lies elsewhere elsewhere. I never heard of that use of it. Yeah, two meanings. What's the uh, What's the second meaning? I think this is the one most people in the U.S. mean. Yeah, this is the second one, and this is the one that is uh, uh, apropos for today's episode. A small lump or protuberance. He pressed down on the two nubs on top of the phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But also, it can refer to the stump of a severed body part, which yeah. also could be seen as a uh, small lump or protuberance.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going today. Well done, my friend. So we have heard this story. We don't know about your neck of the global woods, folks, but every every region of the U.S. has some kind of bizarre small town story. And today's story Is about a place called Nub City, which is going to be familiar to fans of documentaries. It's going to be familiar to people who have gone on Southeastern road trips. And it's going to be infamous to people living near a town called Vernon, Florida, because Vernon, Florida has the street name Nub City. Why is it called? nub city that's what today's episode is about warning folks there is there is possibly some graphic uh descriptions of bodily
1: injury here yes and also um uh let's say abhorrent human behavior uh what's another word for that uh repugnant that's the word yeah and you mentioned, Ben, that every region of the country, of the world perhaps, has its own strange and bizarre stories, none more so than the region what we call Florida, specifically the panhandle. It feels like that is just rife with odd behavior mm-hmm. and tales of debauchery and just, just general strangeness. In the 1950s and 60s, Vernon was what you call a company town, you know, or or a mono industry town, right? We talked about that recently on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know in terms of the manufacture of asbestos. Uh, A lot of uh, towns in Russia and around the United States were entirely tied to the industry, the one industry that that town was built around. Uh, In this case, in Vernon, it was a sawmill. Uh, And like many places that rely so much on one industry, and more specifically, one, you know, physical mill or, or factory, Vernon became depressed. Not like got the sads, but like, you know, financially depressed in terms of its economy because the sawmill closed uh, and that town only had a population between 500 and 800 people who were all out of the job. And, you know, a lot of times when things like this happen, people just move on. But the folks of Vernon, Florida, had a little bit more pluck to them than the average bear oh,
0: oh, yes, they did. And I suggest we hold just one moment on on the big reveal here. But keep this name in your head, folks.
2: Nub City. Uh- <laughs> and. You guys mind if I jump in here because this is reminding me of an episode we did earlier this year. I cannot remember the name of the town, but we did that episode about the bull weevil. Yes. Saving a town in Alabama because it was similar. It's like, you know, a town that was built on one industry was caught in that case and their industry got depressed. and It was actually a good thing.
0: Enterprise. Alabama, Because,
2: yeah, Enterprise, Alabama. That's what it was. Yeah. And. um because it helped them expand their industry. And let's just say Vernon took a um, very different direction. You got to yes, do what is. you got
0: to do. And we also, as awkward as it is to shout out our other show that we do, we do want to shout out Stuff They Don't Want You To Know's Florida Man episode, which solves the mystery about why Florida Man became a thing. And it's actually... It, it's Sunshine pretty, laws. Yeah, it's a pretty sad story, actually. But but uh, even if Florida Man laws did not apply, and do check out that episode, uh, eventually. People would have to learn about the uh, tragic and unusual events of Nub City. It's like you described, No, it's on the panhandle, it's very small. If you are reading through different parts of the town's history, you'll see that it's in a very rural area. It's about 100 miles east of Pensacola, west of Tallahassee. It used to be, it had a sawmill, like we were saying. It also was once upon a time a shipping route for gopher tortoises uh this is you know spoiler it is it is not a booming industry and hasn't been for a long time and these folks had it rough man their industries were closing down they were no longer on a, uh, a major shipping routes for steamboats and the railroads passed the town by voters moved the county seat somewhere else and People are leaving for college; they're never coming back. There's a big brain drain. You can read all about this in an article on TampaBay.com. Not going to give you the title just yet. Things were getting desperate. We're right where you were describing: you know, mid 1950s into the 1960s, really, when Vernon's residents said something has to be done, and they picked, I would say, one of the most famous systemic bad guys in modern America. They picked insurance companies as their victims and they started doing a scam. A scam that cost them an arm and a leg.
1: Heyo. Okay. First of all, I have to say there is a gentleman mowing my lawn. Um it's I've I've let it I've let it go too long. It's the season when the leaves drop and you don't really have to worry about keeping your lawn nice, but I'm having some family over for Christmas and so having someone blow off all the leaves and kind of make things nice. So Unfortunately, we don't have the luxury to stop and hold for the Leafman. Um, So he's going to be part of this episode too. But he he appears to be moving away from my studio window.
2: Can we name the Leafman? I like Leafman. I'm just going
1: to call him the Leaf the Leafman. Leafman. Mm -hmm. The Leafman cometh.
2: Yeah. Maybe it's Uh like
0: Sir Leafman, Earl of Blow. I don't know. That could go oh, a couple oh. different directions. But uh oh no, but you know, no we have had the same situation on my end before, so we're just gonna welcome them to the show. The way we welcome our cats and the various other side characters that, that drop by. Um
2: I had chainsaws last week. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Chainsaw, yeah, the chainsawman. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so uh they will join us on this journey. Okay. Uh by the End of the 50s, people noticed something weird, 1950s. Insurance like policy wonks and underwriters and analysts and everybody was looking around. They said, hey, the Florida panhandle is responsible for not half, but two thirds of all of these particular accident claims, this particular kind of accident claim in the entirety of the U.S.
1: What was this very particular accident? Uh, dismemberment, I guess. For that. I mean, um, what's the word? Yeah, that's the right word, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it uh, more specific than that? Dismemberment, loss of limb. You nailed it. Loss of limb. Yeah. If, when I think of dismemberment, I think of like, I guess, because I have a sick, sick, sad mind. I think of a full like taking apart of a human person, piece by piece, right? Yeah. But it can just be a single dismemberment of a of a of an arm or a hand or a foot, right? And that's the deal, right? The people, we don't know exactly how it happened. One person um, came up with this idea and realized that it paid. Cha-ching. The insurance company paid out for the loss of limb. And then others appeared to follow suit. Uh, At this point, we're not sure, at least by, by we, I mean the insurance company, whether or not this is a scam because... You know, Florida even then probably already had a bit of a reputation as being a little bit wild and woolly and rugged, you know, a lot of potentials for hunting accidents and things like that. So you would get uh, reports of people having uh, hands shot off, for example, uh, people getting in farming accidents, perhaps. Uh, what else? What other kind of reports were we seeing?
0: Yeah, there were there were a number of ways this would happen. There are official reasons. Uh, became it, it became difficult to parse whether these... Were truly accidents, or were they, or whether it was calculated acts of self injury? Uh, maybe there was an accident in a factory, like you said. Uh, maybe someone did it on purpose. In a in a Mental Floss article by Brooks Hayes called "Nub City," Vernon, Florida's decade long insurance scam, uh, we learned the phrase "nub club," which is the unofficial name for people who started receiving these injuries and started receiving checks for it. We also see that a few Vernon residents actually sawed off their own limbs, but it it seemed most most of the people were point-blank firing at their limbs with a shotgun, and insurance agents in the region were going wild. They had stories about a guy who said he was aiming to shoot a hawk, and he took off his own hand somehow with his gun. A farmer who saw his foot and thought it was a squirrel. <laughs> sorry. I know, I'm I know, sorry. I feel bad for laughing, but
1: yeah, it's like, that one's not true, right? You, you gotta have the cover story, <laughs> right? And I mean, who are we as meager insurance adjusters
2: to question
1: the veracity of this tale? What are you, There's a squirrel really no to Confirm.
2: <laughs> it's like, I, I, I gotta ask about the guy shooting the hawk, though, because we're talking about a shotgun, not a small gun. <laughs> Is he firing it with one hand? How does he shoot his own hand off? Like it was it a misfire? He Is there was like a using part of his game? hand to frame the shot, right? Yeah. He was like yeah. you know, doing
1: it like a director, where he kind of had the, t- the the little L shape, you know, and he was using it as sort of a makeshift sight, uh, and then he put it right in front of the barrel and blasted his probably thumb and forefinger off. Uh, first of all, you don't shoot hawks with a shotgun, do you? That's a bit more of a precision tool. Uh, Maybe I'm mistaken, but I I would think uh, you that would require a longer range weapon. I think of a shotgun as more of a uh, close range weapon.
0: It's tough. It depends on what kind of shot you're putting in it, you know. But also, also, yeah. This here's the other factor that makes these stories sketchy and sus to insurance agents, it turns out that many of the people who were reporting these things had also taken out multiple specific types of insurance policies, sometimes just days or, get this, hours before the injury occurred. So Mm -hmm. I had a a long day filing my insurance claims, and I was tired, and I thought my foot was a
1: squirrel. So, well, I mean, that's like, that's the biggest red flag in the insurance industry. And uh, this is me being a complete insurance, you know, outsider. But, you know, if someone takes out a policy on their wife and then the wife turns up dead, that is going to be the suspect, the first person that is looked Uh, at for (laughs) committing this crime. If someone takes out some kind of policy, you know, uh, like a, like a, because I mean, you know, you, you, we we just recently had to re up our work insurance plan, and there are a lot of pages in yeah. those e documents that talk about things like limb and like very specifics that a lot of us just kind of gloss over. But the the fine people of Vernon would not have glossed over those pages. They would have zeroed in on those pages and taken out as much as they could. Because if you pay in us or you check that box, you can insure your if they're like your livelihood, right? You can insure your limbs for more than just a standard policy, isn't that right, guys? It it is absolutely right. You can also, I mean, there's
0: any number of like long-term disability things you can do, unintentional death or accidental, like in, injuries that make you unable to work. Uh, it's a business for sure, you know, and they, you're right. They did read these things carefully. Uh, the way that privatized insurance works uh, for anybody who lives in a in a first world country with first world healthcare, you might need to understand how U.S. healthcare works. It's it's a business that is calculated for profit, not for the health of the customers. It's a product that becomes more expensive when you use it. So the first thing that happens, we see this everywhere in the U.S. Uh, for other kinds of insurance, like. Um, your zip code will affect how much your car insurance is for example cuz they'll look at how many accidents occur in that zip code and these folks were facing mounting insurance premiums which is the money right. they have to pay for insurance because they were like hey thanks for you know working with united blue of florida or whatever uh your monthly cost for this long-term disability dismemberment insurance or whatever is going to be a little higher because a lot of people in your neck of the woods are losing stuff.
1: Yeah. It's the same reason that like if you move to a big city from like a more rural area or a smaller town, your car insurance will go up. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you're in a situation where you're much more likely to get into a car accident or be hit, you know, because there's just the odds go up when there's more cars in play. And when, uh, you know, you're driving in uh, narrower streets and like more kind of tricky conditions right it's the same exact deal your insurance premium goes up by virtue of where you are based on the uh likelihood of a particular event to happen there and since vernon at this point i believe was reporting what was it Ben? something insane like two-thirds Two of thirds. the dismemberment reports uh, or insurance claims in the whole united states mm-hmm. well
2: yeah. I-, I do have, i did the clear right. that was the panhandle was two thirds that's, yeah.
1: that's even that's even crazier I mean <laughs> that's just one little sliver of Florida which is quite a large state that makes up right. a big chunk of the, of the east coast so yeah these insurance companies were understandably losing their shit Ooh. and starting to be like you know what I don't think we're going to start ins- I don't think we're going to insure people that live in this part of the country anymore
0: So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car?
1: Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: Yeah, and there were, there were other things that were kind of messing with that average. Uh, one guy, a guy named Murray Armstrong, who was working for Liberty National, he said that he found a customer who took out insurance with 28 to 38 different companies uh, before right. he lost his left foot.
1: Yeah, there was a point made in a fabulous article from our pals at Mental Floss, Snub City, Vernon, Florida's decade-long insurance scam by Brooks Hayes, that said at the height of this uh, this grift, uh, it was making some people millionaires.
0: Yeah, yeah. At least we know that by the 1960s, at least 50 residents had gotten in on this strategy and they were getting payments of anything from $5,000 to $300,000. And even though $5,000 was a lot more back then in purchasing power, that still seems like not enough money to lose a body part permanently. Uh, Because you think about what would you, how you would handle the rest of your life, prosthetics, walking, manipulating tools these people were desperate, and we're, we're talking about it with some levity just because the stories, the cover stories in particular, sound so hilarious, but these were very serious times. And, you know, like you said, Noel, the insurance companies quickly grokked the trend, and before long, they started being much more skeptical, I believe. Uh, they, <laughs> they took some of these folks to court for their claims. They would say, okay, we don't believe you right? We saw a picture of a squirrel next to a picture of a foot, shoe on and shoe off, and they look different. So we'll see you in court. But the problem was now, if you're going to a jury trial, you have to convince a jury, not that the cover story is ridiculous, but you have to convince the jury that someone would knowingly take a firearm to themselves for a couple grand.
1: Yeah. I mean, what uh, what naive summer children we were back in those days, you know, I mean, I think now this would not be hard to convince just about anybody of, you know, we know people are capable of really insane, uh, depraved acts, you know, but even as as, as recently as the 50s and 60s, we were like, oh, no, you couldn't convince a jury of, of their peers. And this was, you know, in presumably in the same region, that anyone would would do this on purpose. No one could be that desperate. Uh, people, I, I mean, we know that like a rabbit or like, a, like an animal in a trap will gnaw off its own leg to get out of the trap. What more of a trap is there than financial destitution? That's a very good point. Yeah. And this
0: is a, like, unless you are experiencing that kind of hardship, it can be difficult for people to put themselves Emotionally and mentally in that situation of all the people who went to court, not one, not one amputee in Vernon, Florida or the surrounding area ever got convicted of fraud. Like every time they went to a jury trial, the insurance companies lost. And so they changed their strategy as well. They got together. And they hired a guy named John Joseph Jingle. Kidding. His name is John Joseph Healy. Uh, and he goes mm-hmm. to Vernon. Uh, I love this guy. He's he sort of an insurance Columbo type figure. Yeah. He's like
1: our hero coming in to kind of like crack the case. Yeah.
0: Like Edward Norton's character in a fight club, right? He was an insurance right. investigator.
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) So here's our Fight Club guy, (laughs) Uh, Colombo in Fight Club. That's John Joseph Healy. He he goes to town. He's their man on the ground. And he says, yeah, I am. Well, we'll give you the actual quote. It was the way he reports back to the companies. He says to sit in your car on a sweltering summer evening on the main street of Nub City. He called it this in the official report. Watching anywhere from eight to a dozen. This is his word, not ours. Cripples walking along the street gives the place a ghoulish, eerie atmosphere.
1: Yeah, it sure does. And this investigation is is laid out pretty uh, extensively and accidentally on purpose, making of a personal injury underworld in America, Uh mouthful of a title, book by Ken Dornstein, it came out in 1996. And Dornstein says that Healy did not appear to think very highly of the town of Vernon. First of all, he's coming in there being pretty much convinced that there's a scam going on. He just has to find proof. Mm -hmm. Uh, He refers to these people pretty derisively in that quote that you just did for us, Ben, uh, with the term now that would be considered pretty off. Uh, and he remarked, um, that, uh, he, he believed that one of the, and this could well be true, but he's saying it obviously with a bit of a, there's an inherent sneer in this to me, uh, that one of the most popular pastimes in Vernon was for folks to gather in the town square to quote, watch the local stray mutts
2: mate. Wow. Okay. So there's, there's some prejudice here, Right. And let's not forget what he said was the number one. Pastime. That's right. That
1: would have been the second most popular pastime. The number one being, quote, self-mutilation
2: for cash. Ugh, so maybe not our hero of the story.
0: No, no, he's definitely, he he's definitely like a uh, hard-nosed
1: antagonist, right? Uh, at best, an anti-hero. But. There's a story with very few heroes. Yeah. I mean, I feel for the plight of the people of Vernon, but also like,
0: wow. This is a you Cormac know? McCarthy production almost. You know what I mean? Like the guy who wrote The Road would write this kind of story. So he he says, furthermore, you can also tell that these injuries are premeditated because Healy, in his opinion, believes that people are removing the limb they need least so, he doesn't see a lot of cases of right handed mm-hmm. people removing their right hand. A lot of left hands go missing, and there are more left hands than right hands because more people
1: are going to be right handed in a random population. And you can certainly argue that, again, I'm no limb lawyer here, but that's circumstantial, right? Like that there's no inherent calculus involved in that. It'd be hard to prove that intent. On a one on one case, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You could prove it as a trend. But again, it's not a huge population. Uh, so it might be hard to, to do or maybe not. Anyway, point is they would oftentimes remove a left limb up top and a right limb down low because people would be doing uh, multiple amputations, taking out multiple policies. That way, the person could walk with a crutch. You know, because they would be like, they would have the opposite. They would put the crutch under the one arm that wasn't amputated and then have the the good leg on the opposite side.
0: Yep, yep. Or, as he also found, you could maybe learn about someone's injury in relation to their livelihood. He said if someone had like an office job, they'll be more likely to take off a leg or a foot because they'll sit down for work. And he pointed out that uh, a lot of white collar Folks were doing this as well. A guy who owned a car dealership, so a pretty successful guy, was found to have taken out one of his own eyes because he could use the $400,000
1: insurance payment to buy a ranch. Now, all of this stuff is super grisly. Yes, Obviously, yeah. sawing off your own limb is gnarly. But to me, eye stuff, especially self-inflicted eye stuff, is one of the gnarliest things in, like, horror movies. Like, I remember the scene in, uh, uh, no spoilers, you can't really spoil a 20-year-old movie, but in Event Horizon. Oh, I love where, like, you know Horizon, the, yeah. But remember the part I'm talking about where, like, the spaceship, <inaudible> like, adventures Exactly, this, this spaceship goes into goes to hell, and you see these <laughs> videos that are like blurry, crazy, glitchy yeah. videos of like the previous crew like clawing their own eyes out. That always gives me the heebie-jeebies oh, it's in a big such way. Such a good film. Oh, I love it. It is a slept-on film because also I remember not to get too far off the rail here, sure. but when that movie came out, the way it was promoted mm-hmm. just made it seem like a run-of-the-mill kind of sci-fi, oh yeah. adventure thriller, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pure Hellraiser shit, man. It was like way above my pay grade at the age that I was when I saw that in the theater. It's got surgery stuff. It's got nasty stuff. It's Lovecraft. It. Uh, yeah. It's one of my favorite, like
0: my favorite unofficial HP Lovecraft movies. Uh, this is I around agree. the same era. That actor was it Sam Neill. That
1: Sam Neill did some weird movies. He did in the
0: mouth, mouth in the mouth of, of madness? madness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. he did those around the same era. Uh, Yes. So event horizon. Great. Eye stuff weird. I actually, I can't remember if I told you this. I, um, I went through a period where I was trying to see if I could just voluntarily donate one of my eyes. Uh, oh. well, it's a weird okay, band. Well, it's a thing that it's a thing that I is oh, like, legally like yeah, as a, a gray thought gray experiment era. kind of, like no, like no, if no I called some that- people.
1: You, you wrote, were mail. really wanting to do this. Or you just wanted to find out if it was possible conceptually. I was on the
0: fence. I would. Okay. I, I think that like okay. giving somebody the gift of sight would be really cool. Also, I think I would look okay. cool with an eye patch. So it's not entirely well, altruism.
1: You will. No, thanks. Man. I've seen you with an eye patch before, Ben. There was a time where you were just going out with an eye patch for fun uh, and not true. talking about it, yeah. And just seeing if people would bring it up. But also, Ben, they've made leaps and bounds in glass eye technology. I'm sure you could get a convincing, you know, prosthetic uh, also, eyeball. Also,
2: Ben, didn't you just have surgery on your eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, want to. Those give puppies s- are premium, dude. They're worth g- like serious bucks. I mean, they can have my sh eyes. They can't take yours. No, no, just one. You know, and you. It's like how you no, clean up a no, car no, they before don't you sell it,
1: Max. That's the point.
2: I the no, don't want my sh the eyes.
0: Um, I totally forget. Folks, that is a true story. Noel blast from the past. That was one of the one of my social <laughs> experiments. I remember that's the reason <laughs> you and many. I are good friends. Uh, Noel is one of the only people who asked me about it
1: no it's like well i think i think people mostly would assume <laughs> that you'd had some sort of procedure or maybe the shingles or something like that and they didn't want to be rude but i knew you well enough to be like what's up man i was so excited <laughs>
2: with
0: I, I leaned in uh max you would have enjoyed this i was so excited because i leaned in and i remember like uh i don't think i messed with it quite at that point where i leaned in and told Noel, uh i was like dude you can just start wearing these. And no one will ask you about it. It's amazing. And uh, Noel, if I recall correctly, your response was, okay, but why would? <laughs> yeah?" yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and I just envisioned Ben turns and just bumps into a wall because he has no depth perception. Well, I did. That's, part of, yeah. that's all part of the bit. That's yeah. all part of the it's bit. That's all part of the know? thing.
0: But in that case, uh, that social experiment aside, and this is, by the way, uh, this was an exercise in persona changes or disguises. This was not meant in any way to mock sight or lack of sightedness, and I think we need to we need to say that, but I was interested in um seeing if I could voluntarily donate a cornea. uh It is, I think, a gray area unless you know somebody right? Unless it's like you're doing this for your sibling or something, you're just randomly giving away an eye. People look at you askance the same way that insurance agents, oh, we got there, looked askance at these people in Nub City because this is, if you're purposely injuring yourself, it turns out that is a fairly common type of insurance fraud. And Healy, in uh, in the book you had mentioned earlier, Noel, he is saying that rings of these people can occur. Like, people will collaborate. Sometimes it's a close-knit family or community, and then other times there is just a, a region where people catch on to this idea. And that seemed to be the case with Nub City. And he was like, look, there are a lot of accidents occurring in the same place in a short period of time. He says, here's what happens. One guy gets away with it, meaning self-injury fraud. He tells a friend about it after he collects, and his friend says, that's a cool idea. But his friend tries to kind of one-up it and takes out even
1: even bigger insurance policy. Right, up the ante, as as they say. Uh, And let's not forget, there's only about 500 residents of this town at the time, and only about a dozen or so were involved in this. But many of them did it multiple times, Again, causing these insurance premiums to just go through the roof. And as Healy would say, I solved it pretty quickly. This quote, uh, everyone already knew about the town and the witness to the injury was a guy who had witnessed another phony accident. There were lots of holes in his story. So essentially, this came crashing to a halt. Nothing lasts forever. Even something as incredible is what the New York Times described, uh, a, a three-year orgy of self-maiming. Yeah, which I love. Yeah. That's some Event Horizon shit right there. There it is. Orgy of self-maiming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we have to watch Event Horizon. Uh, yes. great it's a Christmas b- movie. I know. <laughs> great, great, great no Christmas sequel movie. yet, which is insane. Sam Neill, if you're it
1: listening. It did okay, I think. And it's got a cult status for sure. But I think it even did okay in the theater. It's got a cliffhanger.
0: It's got, it's got everything I want in a story. Weird power, super. Okay, I'm not turning
1: this into a.
2: And it is 29% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Right? <laughs> Absurd. Abs- absolute <laughs> blasphemy. That doesn't make any sense. People just didn't get it,
2: you know? Yeah. If any of us got a Hulu premium, we can watch it right now. I've got Hulu premium. We And the episode right now.
1: Max, we don't have time. We've got to get to the stunning conclusion of this, because like we said, nothing yes. lasts
2: forever. This, uh,
1: the proverbial Equimini curtain was closed on this chapter in uh, Vernon's history
0: So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob.
1: Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You
1: name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. but not before it became so notorious cuz to to the the investigators point This was like an open secret at this point, right, in the region. Everybody knew it was called Nub City. You don't get a nickname like that for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And word spread to one of my favorite, I think probably one of the most famous documentary filmmakers in the world, a guy named Errol Morris, uh, who at this point was early in his career, uh, in his 20s. I think he was really just getting started as a documentary filmmaker. He's known for films like The Thin Blue Line, um, The Fog of War, also, his son, uh, Hamilton Morris, has that show, Hamilton's Pharmacopia, yeah, on uh, yeah, Vice, yeah. where he, like, takes all the weird drugs and stuff. Uh-huh. He's, a, he's an odd character. But um, anyway, comes from a neat line of, of creative folks. And um, Errol Morris caught wind of what was going on down in Vernon, down in Nub City. He saw uh, a little blurb in a newspaper about a place called Nub City, and it, it, it made him raise his eyebrows. Want to check it out? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was about 20 years old, or sorry, he was in his 20s at the time, and he had heard about this in the fall of 1976 when he came across a newspaper clipping that caught his interest, just like he said. So he said, you know what, I'm going to go down, I'm going to make a, a film about what's happening in Nub City. He's read this piece in the New York Times Sunday magazine, and it's the Healy piece where Healy is talking about the worst cases in his career. And he says, Wow, there's this self mutilation in this small town in Northwest Florida. And he says, I've got to find out more. He visits and speaks with John J. Healy, who doesn't, by the way, say the specific name of the town in the article. He uses the nickname Nub City. And eventually, this guy, Healy, tells Errol Morris, all right, the real name of this place, if you must know, is Vernon, Florida, but you can't go, don't go there. It's not the kind of place you want to be snooping around. It's, it's got a bad vibe. Uh, and so the director promptly ignores everything Healy says and travels down to Vernon. He, li- he lives in the area and he spends a year making this film um
1: well the focus of his film shifted right like he was initially going to make a film specifically about this town where folks blow or saw or hack or maim their limbs off to collect insurance money so this would have been in the late 70s early 80s so this would have been you know a couple generations removed from like the peak of this practice you know which was taking place in the 50s and 60s so we would have had anyone that was still around who was one of the nub clubbers, uh, would have been quite old at this time or it would have been, like, their descendants, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is not a scam that was running anymore. This is a part of the history of the town that probably some folks, you know, who uh, were part of that history wouldn't really want out there, especially by some outsider New York City socialite, f- intellectual filmmaker, documentarian. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. What you doing with that camera? We can say that because we're
0: from the South. We can, we can. (laughs) But we live, or we live here at least. But so, yeah, he maintains that he loved, loved, loved the people of Vernon. But then he also points out these strange quotes. Uh, One sheriff told him, and this is from Errol himself, one sheriff said, down here, we don't have murders. We have
1: disappearances.
0: And then he follows up with like, I love these
1: people. This is great. Yeah. And then, like I said, um, he he initially pursued that angle um, and he tells it himself uh, that you can read in this mental floss article that we uh, cited earlier. He knocks on the door of a double amputee man who is missing an arm and a leg on opposite sides of the body, mind you, uh, which he refers to as the preferred technique so that you could use a crutch, like we were saying. And then he goes, quote, his buff son-in-law, a Marine, beat me up. I decided whatever I was doing was really, really stupid and dangerous. He wasn't sent to the hospital, thankfully, but he did change the focus of the film. And you can now check this out. It's a documentary from 1981 called Vernon, Florida. And it focuses more because, you know, you got to imagine a town where people are compelled to, like, blow their limbs off or hack their limbs off. There got to be some characters in there. And what Errol Morris does in the film Vernon, Florida, is highlight some of those characters, uh, including... Like uh, uh the one guy who's like a really avid turkey hunter. Yeah, and he's yeah, like yeah. T- doing all these like turkey calls and stuff. And there's like a another guy who's like a weird kind of de- tap dancer or something. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're all it's very um, gummo kind of it was like the uh, Harmony Corinne movie Gummo, but like a real documentary. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and this refocus is a move of self-preservation, right? And it still is a very strong film. It premieres at the New York Film Festival and people are over the moon for it. And Morris himself, I think, was was very affected by the poverty he saw and very inspired by the self-reliance he saw. And he is still, like, as we record now, he still apparently is thinking about returning to... The original story, the story of what Healy called Nub City, and with this we we kind of we kind of leave it there. The question becomes something for everybody listening in the audience today. Obviously, we mean no disrespect to the people of Florida, uh, but this is like an ethical question, a quandary. What would you do? And we can't assume, you know, that every person who did this committed this kind of fraud? Was doing it because they wanted extra fun money. Some people may have been doing it entirely because they couldn't get a job and they had to feed their family. A million percent. You know? I mean, we talked.
1: I, I made the analogy of an animal caught in a trap, gnawing mm-hmm. its you know limb off. I, I mean, these 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 towns when they're economically depressed in that way, and your choices are either to uproot your whole family, maybe you've been living there for generations, or to get clever, you know, or do something desperate. Um, there is a really interesting coda to this story, there is a an, an incident that happened uh, in Vernon that actually made the national news way, way separated from this whole Nub City business. In 1984, there was a bloody, really gnarly brawl that broke out at a very run-of-the-mill city council meeting mm-hmm. where they were discussing the possibility of firing the town's only policeman. and it's caught on film. You can see this. A reporter from Panama City from the network WMBB was there. And like, there's screaming and punching and bloody noses and like men beating up women. And like, it's, it's a real melee, but there's a very interesting detail that is almost like the creepy closing of a movie where you see this detail and like, it's like kind of the like cherry on top. Yeah. And this is a dust up. It's an altercation.
0: It was filmed by a reporter out of Panama city in the video, you see a city councilwoman, Narvell Armstrong, and her son, Coleman, fighting, and you see a man who is missing one hand. That is uh, Narvel's husband, J.C. Armstrong. And uh, there's, there's a thing where a reporter asked councilwoman Armstrong how her husband lost his hand, and she says, I think you know.
1: So that's it. That, is that's that not it. the end of the movie. Right. That is so the end of the and movie. Then roll I fade, love it.
0: roll credits because we are uh, extremely uh, positive people. And we, we always try to end on like uh, a less heavy note. So we can at least know in, in a positive note, we can say that uh, Vernon, Florida does have a specialty hamburger as an official town burger. There's that. Maybe that's what
1: we end up with. Is it good? What's, what's special about it? You like it? hot food?
0: Uh, you like spicy food? I do. You're, you're, I do. Okay. Uh, it is covered in Cajun seasoning and fried jalapenos. And it's apparently, it's very, very hot. And it has its own uh, theme song slash rhyme or jingle. This is according to
1: Bay.com. Oh, they should know if anyone. Vernon uh, Vernon. Oh, what a treat. With its onions and peppers stacked up. So neat. Okay, yeah, you know. (laughs) No no better way to end an episode (laughs) of Ridiculous History than with a ridiculous rhyme about a bird. (laughs) That's true. I know. I feel like we could freestyle
0: off that one. Stacked up so neat. Max dropped the beat, right? Uh,
1: Don't saw off your hands and feet.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do. Yeah. (laughs) It's entirely up to you. Even though the money feels so sweet, don't saw off your hands and feet. Wait, beep. Oh, the beep is part of the rhyme. Okay, never mind. Yeah, we got totally. it.
1: And, and you got to wonder too, has it been enough time, has enough time passed that this kind of grift could pop up in some other rural pocket of the United States? I'm, Let us know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Let us know. You can find us on our community page, Ridiculous Historians. We love it. Uh, we love the questions. We love the conversations that we see there. Uh, you can also find us on social media, not just as a show,
1: but as individuals. If you wish, you may find me. I am on Instagram pretty much exclusively at HowNowNoelBrown. If you want to tweet at me, I don't really look at it very often, but I am at Embryonical on the Twitters. How about you, Ben Bolin?
0: Well, thank you for asking, Mr. Noel Brown. You can get a behind-the-scenes look at the research I'm doing, my various misadventures, at Ben Bolin on Instagram, B-O-W-L-I-N, or at Ben Bolin, H-S-W, on Twitter. And word on the street is our very own super producer mr max williams is also to be found on the tubes of the internet
2: yes i am hiding out on twitter i don't say much but i am always around and i am at atl underscore max williams
1: about a hot sports takes on there huh yeah,
2: yeah. There's, dispassionate view and a couple of Star Trek ones. No, yeah. actually, Ben, I changed that handle. Oh, you did. Grace won the World Series. Michigan's in the college football playoff. Okay, I'm a passionate uh, sports fan again.
0: All right. Oh well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad.
2: Oh, it's going to break my heart and be miserable. I'm going to be terrible in the new year, probably.
0: Ah, yes. Uh, speaking speaking of terrible, terrible things, uh, you can also. You can also find our good pal slash nemesis, the Quister, a.k.a. Jonathan Strickland on the internet. And if you do find him, ask him when he's going to be on Ridiculous History again. Is that too much? Are we like pranking him at this point? I don't know. I think we just haven't really
1: followed up. Yeah, no, it's totally on us. It is our fault. These things do do actually go, (laughs) peek behind the curtain. These things do typically go through the proper channels. He doesn't just zoom mama. Sorry to demystify the whole Quister bit. Wow. I mean, I could
2: could summon him right now if you guys want me to. All I have to say is the same. No, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, well,
1: thanks. Thanks, of
0: course, to him, the Quister. Uh, (laughs) Thanks also to Alex Williams, who composed our amazing soundtrack.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks to you, Max Williams, son of Alex. No, brother of Alex. Blood of Alex. How about that? Um, Eves Jeffcoat and Christopher Asiotis here in spirit. Uh, Who else? My mom. Yeah, uh, the people of Vernon, Florida. I hope they're doing okay. Gabe Luzier. Um, Of course.
0: And I'll say it, the people who work in those levels of the insurance industry, it can be often a thankless
1: job. uh, So Mm -hmm. don't let your work define you. Uh, and probably really erodes your trust in humanity but it's also a very despicable profession so maybe I don't know no 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 not despicable profession in industry it's got a certain amount of ick to it and I think even people that work within it probably are aware of that so no offense meant to anyone working in insurance
0: and stay tuned for our next episode on something called a little ice age we hope you're having a wonderful last week of the year folks
1: we'll see you next time folks For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan
2: by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you.
1: The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: A new season of Bridgerton is here.